broadcast audience this morning at River Church. I want to welcome you to a service. We'd love to have you here in Tuscaloosa, 609 40th Street. Join us on Sunday morning at 1010 or Wednesday night at 7. We're having some marvelous services here at River Church. But this morning we're going to minister on a subject that we've been on for a while. And I'm calling it the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. Can we say it together? The uncommon man and the exceptional woman. Well, that, who is that? We all know somebody or have heard of somebody that was uncommon and exceptional. We, we say it this way, what makes the great great? And so we've always looked for attributes that made the great great. Because some people did some marvelous things that were not famous, but they did it in our life. And we said, ah, that's Uncle Jack. He is the greatest. Well, you can always kind of distill that down and say, well, the reason Uncle Jack is great to me is because of this or that. Well, those are attributes we all understand, and we should have them in our life. Be an Uncle Jack. <laughs> or whatever. So if you would, turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are going to talk about the exceptional woman, the uncommon man, being ready. Being ready. And I've taught this before, and, and uh, I, I sat down to it, and it came out completely different this time. So I, I determined I'd bring it. So we're looking at the, the uncommon man is talking about the life of excellence. The exceptional woman is not talking about someone that's done something or achieved something or did something, attained something that nobody else did. We're talking simply about the life of excellence. And so I, I want that. Man or woman, boy or girl, I want the life of excellence because that's the life that Jesus demonstrated and it's the life that he said we could have. The works I do, you do them. And greater works than I did, you do them. That's the life of excellence. So I want that. But when you just stand up and look around, you go, well, how do you do that? Because I've lived my life, you've lived your life in the way you've lived it. So how are you going to change how you live it? You know, quit stealing, quit lying, quit. Matt, we're not doing that. We're not messing with that. We just, it's tweaking. It's just, it's just taking our life and bringing it up a level. Doing something more or doing something else less and moving towards a life of excellence. I want that because I'm down here anyway. I'm passing through and I'm an ambassador. I'm going through this life. This is not it. This isn't home. This is just the rest stop, as it were. And uh, so, but, so while I'm here for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever you can get your faith around, I, it's just a vapor, the word says. It, you're, we're here no time. It seems like a long time, but that's because we're measuring it by how long people last. So we kind of put our life, well, people can live to be 80 and I'm 60 or whatever. That's, I'm, I'm three-fourths done. Ah, the word says you got lots more to go. So we're living, we're endeavoring to live here at River Church and in the word above the minimum. So many people I talk to as a pastor and just as a believer, they, when you tell them about Jesus, they, they have an idea that it's what you do or what you give up. And so they want to know where the line is. How much do I have to do to get that heaven thing going? 
And what, can I get away with this? Can I keep doing this and still go to heaven? Where is the line? Well, we're talking about living above the line. Way above the line. Where we don't even know where the line is. We, it's, it's way back there somewhere. We're living above the line. And so the difference between an uncommon man and a common man, or an exceptional woman and a conventional woman, is simply living a purpose-filled life. We're not just clicking off the days. We're not just having birthdays and saying, well, I made it. We're living a purpose-filled life. So that means there's a blueprint of some kind. There's a plan of some kind. There's a, uh, something is laid out that says when we get to this point in our life, then we'll make a little turn and we'll go to this point. It's not just case sarah, sarah, what will be, will be. We're on it. Are y'all on it? We're on it. We, we're not satisfied with today, although it's better than yesterday. We know there's more, and so we're increasing our capacity to hold more. God's given us the whole thing, but we can't hold the whole thing. Remember in Isaiah where it says, uh, uh, stretch out your tents. Stretch out your tent pegs. Well, that's what we're doing. Every time we go to the Word, every time we have a trouble, a challenge, a, a, something that's in front of us, we can either get bitter or better. We can either get mad at things or mad at the devil or mad at people. Or we can just say, this is a marvelous opportunity to go up higher. I'll reach down deep for something I didn't even know I needed to reach down for. And I'll use that to, to win in this situation. And I'll go up. And I'll stay there. I'll be there. And I'll have a larger capacity in order to get me an even larger capacity. Think about back 10 years ago where you were. Whew, it's scary, even though, even though we were serving God with all our might. Still, we look back now and go, I, I was little, I was immature, I was afraid, I, I was selfish, I was self-centered, whatever that you had some measure of. Ten years back, it wasn't that great, but even now we go, good as it is, I can have more, I can do more, I can be more. Are you all there? That's where I am. That's what I want. I, I don't want to just mark the days off. Uh, I wrote down here that the difference between a purpose-filled life and a living-on-the-line life is, is what you have in your mind. One word I came up with was survive. How many of y'all know are just trying to make it through the weekend? Or make it to the weekend, maybe I should say. Boy, that's a low level of living. Whoo. Because you know what comes after this weekend? Another week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you just, you just get one nostril above the waves, take a deep breath, and you go back down under for another Monday through Friday so until you can get to the weekend. Isn't that pitiful? Survival. I, I also wrote down exist is the mindset of a lot of people. Just exist. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing, but we're just existing. We're just down here. We're just like a dog. When we die, we'll get buried. We'll be in the ground. Well, you know, that's how they think. Or at least that's how they live, to think. Another word was cope. I think about people that are trying to cope, and they use drugs, they use uh, uh, stuff to knock them out, to distract them, uh, to have pleasure, to go on a trip or something. And they're not really going anywhere, but they're just coping, just so they can maintain living at some level. Another word was endure. I thought of endure. I'm just enduring to the end. Well, that's good if it's the kingdom, 
but it's not good if you're just trying to get to another day of life. And the last word I came up with was sustain. That you're just sustained. But I want to be more than sustained. I want to increase. And the Lord wants me to increase. And so to whom much is given, or who much is required, much is given. So he's, he's, he's funding this program. Is that right? He's funding this. He's putting the people in your life. He says he lays help on him who is mighty. So as soon as you know you're mighty, I'm in the kingdom. He's got a call on my life. I'm important. If somebody stood up and they were missing their elbow, well, they'd say that you're handicapped. You're handicapped without an elbow. Well, it's just an elbow. It's just one joint. I got all these other joints. You're, you're just about gone. Well, that's the way we are when we don't have the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 3.15 Hallelujah. Let's see what the word says about being ready. 315. If any man's work. So he's talking about our lives, what we do on earth and the end of that. When we go to heaven, your work is piled on. Well, I always think about it a, a furnace with a conveyor belt. And, you, and, and the Lord, the angel just piles your life on the conveyor belt. And it just inches, kind of like an airport thing, it just inches towards the fire, and it goes in this chute. This is not how it is, it's just how I think it is. And then it, it comes out the other end. And there's either a pool of gold, a pool of silver, or precious stones. There's a bunch of stinky ashes. <laughs> Nothing left. It's, the Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. It can't stand the fire. So he's talking about in the verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So, you know, that's just living above the line, just a skoshi. Just a little bit above the line. The word says, he'll make it, but it'll be as if by fire. <laughs> he went through the fire and, ooh, he's crispy. But he did come out on the other side. Well, amen. It's good to come out on the other side. But it's better to come out as gold, silver, and precious jewels. It's good to come out on the other side shining gloriously in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Would you slip over there just a little bit? Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at another one that uh, describes our life. How we can live it. Our choice. Our call. You can go as fast in the kingdom as you want to. That's where the amen goes. I can go as fast as I want to. Well, the Lord's holding me back because he's got a purpose. No, you're holding you back because the devil's got a purpose. It says in Colossians, let's see, chapter 3, verse 23. It says, and whatsoever ye do, here's the other side of that as if by fire. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not into, unto men, knowing, knowing, do that knowing that the Lord of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So he says here, you can live just around the line, or you can get out there. Well, that's a promise. I want to get out there. He's offering it. He's making you a deal. He's uh, like buying a, a, a car. You know, you, you, make, you say, I'll give you $20,000. they will say, ah, we got to have twenty-two, And you just say, well, that's all I'm giving you. So it's the same thing. We're, he's offering us a good, good life. 
And we're saying, well, it costs too much. I, I don't want to give up my party life. I don't want to give up my whatever, whatever, whatever life. And I'll just take, you know, leave, leave the spare tire out and, you know, leave the steering wheel out or whatever. I'm going to, I just want the cheapo model. Well, you might not have, be too happy with that. So what makes us live an uncommon and exceptional life? What, what has God got to bring us to, to get us to that place? What is the power that needs to come so that we are exceptional and uncommon? Let me just tell you right now, it's called the new birth. The new birth gives you everything that you need. I wrote down, uh, uh, it gives you faith. You get the faith of the Lord Jesus. You get the peace of God that passes understanding. He comforts you. It's wired in. He has been made unto his wisdom. We are fearless. On the inside, we're fearless. I ain't scared of nobody. Devils are afraid of me. How about that? How about devils are afraid of me? How about that? We are, we are tapped in. We are wired in with revelation. We, we are in the spirit and not in the flesh. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us. I'm wired. Well, what do I got to do to get the good stuff in? I just wake up. It's in there. I have the mind of Christ. Y'all got the mind of Christ? Oh, it's all over us. I've been made enduring. Enduring. I don't just sustain, cope, or, or get along. I endure the end. Uh, I have the blueprint of heaven on my life. Y'all got a blueprint? You go, I don't know. Well, you got to pray it out. It's hidden for you, but you got to pray it out. You got you to seek for it. Uh, I have the body of Christ at the new birth. Let me tell you, this is big. A lot of people don't need him, don't need the body, but yes, they do. We've got each other. And I'm telling you, that, that's a wiring. You can't get that until you're born again, the family of God. Uh, I have the word of God. I'm, you're indefeatable. If you got the word of God, I have the Holy Spirit to guide, to comfort, to lead. I am unqualified. I have, un, excuse me, I have unqualified acceptance. The Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. Well, you mean when you're good and when you don't do bad. No, when you're born again, you're accepted in the beloved. Package, yay. I wrote down here, I'm failure proof. I cannot fail. The Bible says he will, not, not, he will not deny himself. Well, greater one's in me. He won't deny himself in me, therefore he won't deny me. Really? All that from the new birth? Ah, it goes on. Uh, I'm forgiven forever. Forever forgiven. Not just what I did. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about sinning, so I don't know if God will forgive me. Yeah, he, he will. He will. Uh, there's no condemnation to them which are born, born again in Christ Jesus. I'm wealthy. Well, how do you get that? Well, you got to give and whatever. No, I'm wired. I'm wired for wealth. I, I have the framework to be wealthy. Well, what is holding that up? It's the space between my ears. <laughs> it's like, let God in. The Bible says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. So that means there was more there to have than they were having. I'm well. I'm healed, whole, and healthy. I'm full, supplied, and wealthy because I'm born again. So I'm already exceptional. 
Are you exceptional? Are you uncommon? Absolutely. But you have to discover it. Well, how will we know? It's in the Word. Everything I just said, and much, much more, is right here. It tells us with black ink on white paper what God has done to you and me in the new birth. You're unlimited. You're failure-proof. You already win. He always causes us to triumph. Like always, how much does he like you exceeding abundantly above what you can ask, think, imagine, or meditate? Well, God, that's just, I can't even get my head around it. That's right. We have to get our faith around it. We just have to go down here and believe because our head is bonking. The reason we're not there like you think we should be there is because we believed our head. And our head was pre-programmed to think, you better be good or God's going to get you. <laughs> nah, he's not going to get you. He's going to put you over. Hallelujah. We've done uh, eight messages on the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. I'm going to review them for you. First of all, the uncommon man is fixed and undistracted about the promises of God. Doesn't just believe God's word is God's word, but he's fixed and undistracted about the promises of the kingdom. Number two, we said that the uncommon man thinks big in small places. Everybody can think small in small. Everybody knows the sky is falling. What are you going to do? Raise your rod and watch the Red Sea open and then take the troops over? Number three, we said the Exceptional woman lives by honor. She honors those above her. The uncommon man attaches honor to men, and God then can attach honor to them. Number four, we said they live humbly while yet being uncommon and exceptional. They're able to live humbly. You know, rock stars and movie stars and all them, it's hard for them to be humble. They're so great. And yet you and I are so great, and we are still humble. The Bible says to cast your care upon him because he careth for you. Number, uh, number five, I said we do hard things. We're not living on the line. We're not living just barely enough. We do hard things. Get up every day and say, I'm looking for a devil to chomp. <laughs> I'm looking for a goal to reach. I'm looking for a, 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 a reward that pleases God. Number six, we said that we, the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, are happy in persecution and strife. We're happy. Listen, if you're down every time somebody persecutes you, you're having a hard life. If you, if you, if you can't get going because somebody is uh, in strife, you're not breathing good. But the uncommon man is. Ah, we pay no attention to the devil or for people. We pay no attention to them because we're happy in him. We're happy in him, not because of what you say or what you don't do. Number nine, we said last week that we were thankful in a thankless world. We're happy when nobody's happy because our hope is fixed on him. So today we're going to talk about being ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. You're uncommon because nobody is ready that's common. Nobody's ready that's conventional. They wait till it comes blows up their life, and then they try to recover. Nobody that's in the world is ready.
Now, the smartest people in the world, they say if you want to be financially this and taking care of that, you need to get a financial plan, a financial planner, and you need to, you know, put your money here and put your money there and everything so that you'll be ready when retirement comes. Uh, I had a relative that in 2008, $100,000, he was just a wage earner. So it took him all of his life, he was retired, took him all of his life to put together a little nest egg and Lehman Brothers blew up his $100,000. It went boop and it was gone. G-O-N-E in one afternoon. So, so much for financial planning. I'm, I'm not against it, I'm just saying. Bring, be a tither and a giver and you're already doing financial planning. <laughs> you got a program. In Genesis 39, don't go there, but we remember the story about Joseph being uh, accused, is sold out by his brothers, then accused in Potiphar's house, un, unjustly jailed. What you may not know is that, because it doesn't give us a time frame in there, but based on context, he was in the dungeon, the king's dungeon, because the king's not thinking about who's in the dungeon. He was down there anywhere, they say, from 10 to 15 or even 20 years. Now, that's a big part of everybody's life that I know. That's a chunk. And I know that most people go stir crazy when they've been unjustly incarcerated. They're mad. They're bitter. Uh, actually, he had somebody that knew the truth. Who was it? The baker or the, the one, one of those guys knew the truth and just forgot, just slipped his mind for 20 years. So you could, you could get your hot rod and be upset about those sort of things. But, he, but Joseph was an exceptional man. An uncommon man of God. And what made him uncommon is that he stayed ready. Not that he was smart, not that he had a defense, not that if he had a, a lawyer on the outside. He just stayed ready. That's all. He got up every day and he was running the dungeon. He was running the jail, but he was still in jail. And he didn't cry. You never hear him like Job. Job carried on and lamented and cared. He just, you know, it was sloppy what Job did. But not Joseph. He just acted like, ah, we're always winning around here. And so he, he never relaxed his grip on the promise. And that's what being ready does. Never relax your grip on the promise of God into your life. What was the promise? Well, he'd had some dreams. And God told him, wow, the, the, the moon and the, 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 what was it? The moon and the stars are going to bow down to you. Uh, that may not be exactly right, but that's the point. That was the dream. And the, the sheaths were going to bow down to him. He, he knew that the future was out there, but it had been a long time. And people wear out after a long time. The word says in Galatians, be not weary in well-doing, so for ye shall reap. If you faint not, and 15 years is a lot of time to faint. But he didn't do it, and that's what makes him uncommon. It's not uncommon that he was unjustly jailed, because that happens everywhere all over. You are being persecuted unjustly because of the word's sake. I know I am. I mean, I just ascertained this. I hadn't heard anybody on this situation or that deal. But I am preaching the word, and I'm living the word in front of them. And that just, you know, cranks their tractor the wrong way. So 
It doesn't matter, though, because he's got me. I'm an uncommon man. Are you an uncommon man, an exceptional woman? Yes, we are. Why? Well, God made me one. Well, he made everybody that's born again one. But I choose. That's the difference. I choose. How often do you choose? Every day. His salvation is made to, new to us every single morning. You've got to choose every day. The, the devil's a daily devil. The Bible says that there was manna every morning. So there's something about a daily thing where God will refresh you. And if you set your fix, you fix your, your hope on him in the morning, he's got you all day. You won't faint. You won't fall. I, the Lord told me that yesterday evening. I, I, never, I never saw that before. But yeah, that's, that's the way it is. So he never relaxed his grip on God's promises. He was uncommon. Because everybody faints. And he stayed ready. And you know the story. One day he went from the pit to the palace. In 24 hours, he went from the pit to being number two in the whole world. That's pretty faithful, God. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to look at the word in a few places where it admonishes us to stay ready. Because now, family, I can do that. It's not natural. It's not common. It's not, it's not something that just comes naturally. But I can do it. I can't cross every mountain. I can't swim every sea. I can't not be, I cannot not sin one time or think about, I can't do that. But I can stay ready. That's one thing I can do. Every morning, get up and say, God wants to surprise you, Michael, with his goodness. Be ready. Don't let his goodness slide by while you're out there anx anxious and worried and carried on. And why, why is God allowing this? And devil, devil. I just, I'm ready. I'm ready for a redemption. I'm ready for a surprise. I'm ready for him to break into my life with a miracle of his goodness. That's what, that's what ready means. You're, every day you're on. We're like Alabama power. We're always on. Hallelujah. Amen. First Corinthians chapter nine. Um, let's look in verse 25. It says, uh, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, I, I looked at it in today's English. It says every athlete in training submits to strict discipline. Did you hear that? Every man, every man, everybody that's going to be a master at anything gets, a, gets an education or goes through a, an apprenticeship or studies. And, and we go through a strict discipline in order to be crowned with a wreath that will not last, but we do it for one that will last forever. That is why I run straight for the finish line, Paul said. That is why I'm like a boxer who does not waste his punches. I harden my body with blows and bring it under complete control to keep, listen, to keep myself from being disqualified. Well, disqualified means you're common. You're conventional. You, you say, no, I'm uncommon. I'm living the life of excellence. Not if you don't discipline your body. Not if you don't run the race. Not if you don't stand fast in the liberty where Jesus Christ has made you free, you flinch and you're common because everybody flinches that's out there. But we don't. We choose not to flinch. That's what he said there. Remember uh, King David. 
we won't go there, but uh, it talks about how he, he didn't just show up and, and boast about Goliath. He had a little prep time, remember? And he didn't just defend his sheep. He didn't just say, well, I, these are daddy's sheep and they're worth $1.99 a piece and I, I got to... No, he didn't just defend them and scare off the bear and scare off the lion and, and, and shuttle them over there. He went out there and the Bible says he smote them. Now, that's not your everyday word. Uh, you wouldn't use that in a bar fight, but uh, it definitely means you win. When you smote something, you are on top. <laughs> so the Bible says he, he, it wasn't like I'm going to shoot off the lion this time and I'll find a better place for my sheep the next time he comes. He took care of the problem. Why did he do it? Because that was a life of excellence. So then when he shows up and Goliath is out there boasting and carrying on, everybody's shaking in their boots, he was ready. So why have you been through what you've been through? Why have I gone through what I've gone through? Well, God didn't put you through anything. It's just life. Let me just tell you all something, family. Life is unfair. It is unfair, and anybody that cries about life being unfair is Bonky bonk. Life is inherently unfair. You buy a car and ride it 100,000 miles and you go, well, the tires wore out. Well, yeah, that's just, that's part of it. And life is unfair. You want a fair life? You got to get over on the promises. Because God delivers. He delivers. His word is true, tried and true. And he delivers every time. So, uh, so Goliath shows up and, you know, makes his boast. You know the story. It's in, uh, I think it's in Genesis 17. It's in chapter 17 of, of one of the books back there. <laughs> I don't know why I don't know, but uh, I think it's... And uh, so he shows up and, and uh, David is just amazingly bold. That's what a testimony does to you. That's why we read them every Sunday morning. That's why you should read them in the Word, the testimony of God's faithfulness. Because once you translate what happened over here into your life and say, well, God did it for this man and this person, he'll do it for me. Once you make that transaction, it's not just to hear about them. Well, that's real sweet. That's real good. So glad for him. No, you've got to transact it saying if he did it, he'll do it. And so that's what David did, he said. What is a lion and a bear? What is this guy? I've already whooped wild animals. This guy's going to stand still. I get, to, I get to line up and aim for him. The, the lion was moving around, the bear was running. But I, this guy's going to stand still, and I'm going to whoop his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. See how good I was? Why was David able to whoop, whip, excuse me, the Goliath, the giant? Because he was ready. He didn't power down after he, you know, and say, well, I've done a lot. Now, who's, done, who's done what I've done? I think I'll put it in park. He stayed on all the time. You got to stay on all the time. The hardest thing. To stay victorious is not to power down after a victory. The devil slips in behind a victory when you're, you're just exhausted and resting and, and just going to say, well, I'm going to go have me, I'm going to go, I'm going to skip church. We heard about a pastor one time that got up and said, I've been on vacation three weeks and 
I hadn't read the word in the whole three weeks. And everybody gasped. Because you, you can't do that. And so his ready was ready and he made it through. First Peter chapter 4. Can you slip over there for me? First Peter chapter 4. This is going to help us. This is going to help us. It's going to keep our ready ready to know that it changes everything. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 7. Here's where it tells us to be ready. Just a little different word. But it says in verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Wow, this was 2,000 years ago. And the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore, because the end of all things is at hand, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Do y'all think that's the same as be ready? Yeah. Uh, chapter 5, you're right there. Look in verse, uh, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be ready for him. He's not going to announce it. Three o'clock tomorrow, I'm coming to bring wreck, uh, havoc and wreck and, and trouble. Now he sneaks up. Verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in the brethren. Uh, the... Oh, yeah, that's, that's... Be ye therefore sober. Be sober. We're always ready. Well, I'm tired of being ready all the time. Well, you're going down. You're going down. You, you, you'll, you'll have to fight this thing from behind. And clean it up and fix it while you're doing everything else. But if you'll fight it from the front. In other words, pray it out so it never happened. Well, nothing ever bad happens to me, they say. Well, that's because they're, they're in Romans 8 where it says all things work together for good. You've got to look up in there in verse 26 or 7 where it says that we pray in the Spirit. The reason all things work together for good is because we're praying out the plan from the front. And everything just lines up. All things work together for good. So there's no trouble. There's no disaster. There's no wreck because we prayed it out and straightened it out instead of being in the end of the train wreck. Oh, that's powerful. I love that. Uh, Job 16, 12. Let me read this to you in the Amplified. Y'all been in Job 16 lately? <laughs> I hadn't either. But I found this verse. He says, I was living at ease. But Satan crushed me and broke me apart. This is in Job. Yes, he seized me by the neck and dashed me in pieces. Then he set me up for his target. Satan's arrows whiz around me. That's what happens. What did he say? I was living at ease. There it is. Can't get by with it. Especially you people, us. We can't get by with this. Some people, the devil don't bother for 20 years and nobody even notices because they're already in that league. They're already in that run. They're already in that group. They're, it's already so bad for them. The devil really can't find anything to do to them because it's all happened. But you and I have a target because we love the word. Remember the 12 spies? I'm just going through the people I can think of that got ready. Ten of them were not ready. They only had one job. What was their one job? To bring back an accurate reconnaissance. That was their only job. There wasn't any uh, uh, opinion attached to it, any addendum. It was like, go find out what these people are doing. 
So not, not to see if we can whoop them, but to see how their walled cities are and how they're, just find out how so we can plan how to take them out because God says we're going to take them back. But 10, 10 were not ready for the job. They perished and millions of people ended up perishing because the 10 brought back a bad report. But two said, we're ready. Not because we think there's not really giants back there, not because we think their walled cities aren't big, but because God said, and we'll not let that enter into our reconnaissance. And so they lived and others lived. In First Chronicles, let me just read this to you. It's, my, it's just about my favorite verse. You knew this was coming, didn't you? Chapter 11, verse 4, 5, and 6. I'm looking at it in the New Living. It's probably on the screen. But it, it just says it a little different. When David and all, then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, where the Jebusites were living. The people of Jebus taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. <laughs> but David had a plan. David looked to the Lord and he captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. Why? How did he strategize? Well, it says David had said to his troops, whoever is first to attack the Jebusites will become the commander of my armies. And Joab, the son of David's sister, was first to attack, so he became commander. Now, what about this Joab business? Why, why did he get to be commander of all of David's armies? I mean, went from butt private, cleaning tables, to the the hottest dog in the whole place. Simply one reason, he was ready. He jumped out of the, the, the hole, the pit, the, whatever he did, he went out first. And, and there's a bunch of boys that were thinking along this line. They were still listening to the offer, the reward. But he was already up and running. He already had his, his spear in his hand. He was already on it before David got through. How? Because he was ready. He already knew inside what was going to happen on the outside. He already, he already knew and he was ready. And he became the most exalted officer in that day. Right under the king. Wow. Amen. 2 Timothy 4 says, keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand. And ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether it's welcome or unwelcome. He said, be ready. Are you taking a note here in your heart? God's trying to speak something. It's all over the word. I, you know, I'm just hitting the highlights. It's all over the word to be ready and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that are ready all the time. Uh, so slip with me. This, this, is, this is it. Matthew chapter 14. We'll quit there. Y'all may be tired of being stirred up and exhorted and told that you're victorious, and it's not like you thought. It's not like the devil says. You may, you may not want to hear anymore about how you always win. <laughs> But I'll just mention a few more things for those that are unusual, uncommon, and extraordinary, ex uh, exceptional. 
Matthew chapter 14. Y'all know what this verse is, but I like it. I like this story. This thing speaks to me regularly. It says in verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him, to go first, to go ahead and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He said, I'll take care of all this over here. Y'all go ahead and get a head start. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was, eve, evening was come, he was there alone. And, but the ship, the one that went ahead, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they said, this is unusual. <laughs> this is uncommon. This is exceptional. We, we ain't never seen this before. And to tell you the truth, no one had ever seen it before. And so that says they were troubled. Because they weren't ready. I don't know if they could be ready, but after following around the Lord Jesus, you could get a little hint that things might be a little supernatural and a little unusual. And they said, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. What a bunch of weenies. <laughs> cried out for fear. It's the Lord Jesus. He wasn't eight feet tall and he wasn't, you know, it was just the Lord Jesus. He just was walking on the water and it wiped him out. Let me just tell you, if you're not ready, the physical realm will wipe you out. You'll never get to the stuff of the kingdom. Because the, the natural stuff will wipe you out. And, but straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And, ans and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Now, why did Peter get to walk on the water? Because he was ready. He'd already made some decisions inside. He, he didn't like the other 11. He wasn't analyzing. Well, now what if I walk on the water and it doesn't hold me up? Or what if the Lord Jesus forgets who I am? Or what if this kind of water isn't that kind of water? Or whatever. They were still having to, they were having to, to enter into a rationale. But Peter had already dealt with that. How did he deal with it? He said, if it's you bid me come, I want to walk on the water. Or basically he said, I want to go to the other side. How you're going to the other side. Or he said, I want to be a supernatural man. I want to be an uncommon man. And this looks plenty uncommon. I want to be exceptional. There's nothing about this that's conventional. But he had to make it in a snap. He was like Joab. He just jumped up and took his spear and headed off. He was just like Joseph that was in the, in the, in the dungeon. He said, I'm ready for this every day. Every day I get up thinking, this is my day. David is like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? He had an attitude. He didn't just get up there and get taunted and then get an attitude. He had one going in. I've seen the bear. I've seen the lion. There is nothing worse that could be out there. Everything is downhill from here. He was ready. And you've got to have an attitude. 
you got to have a blessed God, I'm here, and things are changing attitude. you got to have a thing that says, now that I've given, my money is different. Now that I've prayed the prayer of faith, turnaround has already happened. I'm ready. There's nothing worse, and let me just say this because I love to say it, and I've only got to say it once. There's nothing worse, nothing worse. It is, to me, it's one of the worst. Things is to have a tithing Christian worry about their money. It is pitiful. It is so weak and so benign and so ungodly, so off the kingdom chart to say, here's my money, I make Jesus Lord, but I don't know if we're going to make rent this week. Shame on you. Either he's pouring out the windows of heaven or he's not keeping any of his promises. He's, he's, he's jacking everything he said just to lure you in and mock you and laugh at you because you believed him. Or he's going to keep every one of them just like he said. Ready in the word. Ready in giving. Ready in service. Here am I, send me, Lord. Ready in wisdom. I am a problem solver. Ready in relationships. Ready. God's sending you people. The word says he lays help on him who is mighty. So is he laying help on you or not? Are you mighty or not? Well, if you're not, there's no help coming and relationships are not coming. But if you're mighty, and I am because I have a call on my life, you have a call on your life. And broadcast, you have a call on your life. Whether you know it or not, believe it or not, understand it or not, there is one there. And it's your job to find out what it is. Ready in honor. Wow, I don't have to take that from them. I, they're, they're this and they're that. Ah, no, no, no. Not when you're ready. We honor. Even though we don't much care for certain offices, people that are in, or even our parents. What's worse than disparaging your parents? It's the, it's the first promise, the first, the first uh, commandment with promise. Get along with those folks if you can't help anybody else. Uh, ready in priorities, ready decisions, ready in choices. I'm ready. If Jesus says come, I'm already halfway out the boat. If he says don't come, well then I can get back in, but I'm halfway out the boat when, I, when, when he says come. Ready in self-consecration, ready in sacrifice. It's kind of like writing a check and leaving it blank and saying, Lord, fill it in. It just doesn't matter. Here am I, send me. Ready in words. Apples of gold in settings of silver. Our words are filled with grace. There's a fragrance on us because of the words that are in our heart. We're, uh, we're quick to give a word of... Uh, of uh, Exhort one another in love, uh, to love in good works. Excuse me, I had a little slip there, but uh, we're to exhort one another. Well, that's words. That's words. We've got to have a good word in us about us before you can have a good word about somebody else. 
You go, well, they're a dirty dog. I don't like them. I heard this and that about them. Ah, that's not who we are. We're uncommon. We pay no attention to that. We're exceptional. We, get, we got past that way back. Ready in harvest and revival and gifts of the Spirit. Ready in the move of God. Are you ready for the move of God? What could have happened this morning? That would have caught you off like, golly, I can't believe that. We ought to have said, I was expecting it all day. Ready in inspiring and equipping the saints, our friends, to be ready. I'm ready to help somebody else be ready. If you're a parent, that's what you're doing. You're saying, Junior and, and, and Missy, we're getting ready. We're ready for the devil to come. No problem, but we know he's going to try. And we're ready for the call of God to come. We know that's coming. We're, we're ready for the gifts and the anointings of the Holy Ghost. We're ready. You get ready. If you're in my house and you're of my seed, you get ready because that makes us all ready. Weak link. They say a chain is only as strong as its weak link. Uh, we we got to get River Church where we're all tied as a banjo string. We, there's no flinching or flittering here. We draw ranks, and if somebody's feeling a little weak, uh, we don't pay any attention. Just put them in the middle and draw around, and we win. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what you can do in a church like this. Yeah, we can't do so many things, but that's one thing we can do, and that's one thing we do do. We just draw ranks and say, it's going to happen. You know, in Philippians 4, I'll read this. It says, I've learned how to be content, Paul said, with what I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. I know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Now, that's ready. If you are put into a situation that throws your world, that wipes you out, that throws you, that gets you, you aren't ready. Because this world is unfair and this world is, is uh, tumultuous. This world is mean. This world is of its God, the devil. It steals, it kills, it destroys. That's what this world is. But we're not surprised, we're not amazed, like, golly, I didn't know that. We just go to Goshen. We just come under the umbrella of God. And he said, uh, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have the, learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, whether plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now that's ready. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not me, but I'm ready for him to strengthen me, to gather around me, to for the gifts of the spirit, to, have, to be strong and of a good courage. I'm ready. I, it's not me going out there to face the devil. The greater one in me has already faced him. <laughs> and look at me. I'm some kind of tough. You've got to have a devils are afraid of me thing. You're just like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? This is, just, this is just in my day's work. This is just what we do. This is who I am. This is what I have. Get an attitude where people go, well, I don't like their attitude. They're always winning, and I'm, I'm never winning, so I don't like their attitude. 
Why do you want to be ready? So that he can surprise you with his goodness. If you're not ready, I'll, now let me just tell you. If you're not ready, his goodness will just go by and you won't see it. It'll go by and you'll say, well, how about that? You'll not know it was intended to land in your life and change you because you weren't ready. You weren't ready to see the provision. You weren't ready to see the miracle. You weren't ready to see the intent that something was coming to you to go through you. You weren't ready. And so it just, it's just another day. I love the Word of God, don't you? It just changes everything. How can something so insignificant, like spending an hour this morning and maybe Wednesday and your time in the Word, change everything about your life? Why, why isn't it your boss saying, I'm going to make you vice president or, or I'm going to, you know, or, or some situation where they say, you've won the, the inheritance. Or, that stuff doesn't change your life. It's the Word that changes and once you get changed in here, well, then your boss does call. And then the inheritance does show up. And, and you do find a lottery ticket. <laughs> What's this? I'll go in the store and ask them. They say, Kazowsies, you just won a million dollars. I found it out there in the parking lot. I, it doesn't matter if you found it or you bought it in a moment of weakness. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tithe the devil's money. I can spend it. We can all say, yes, sir. Well, isn't Jesus wonderful? And I'm encouraged this morning to be ready. This is the day to be ready. This is the day. We're at the end of it. If you're not ready now, you're just going to find yourself in heaven going, golly, I thought something would happen. It did happen. You just weren't ready. So gay. So Father, we thank you. Everything we need to win came at the new birth. And Lord, we don't, we're not waiting on anything. We're not waiting for you to send the power. We're not waiting for revival or a move of God. We're not waiting for our in-laws to get right or our boss to do right. We're not waiting on anything. We're ready. Right now. It'll just come another way. You, you told us that Laban changed his wages ten times. But you, O oh God, did not allow it to hurt him. Well, we're ready to prosper. We're ready to lay hands on the sick. Oh, we're ready to do exploits. We're ready to live and not die. We're ready. Hallelujah. And wherever we're not ready, Lord, expose it. Reveal it. Show it to us. Bring it up. It won't embarrass us, but Lord, even if it, it go ahead, we take it. Rebuke us, exhort us, chasten us, and we will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in this morning. I want to encourage you, if you're in the Tuscaloosa area or coming, come see us. You will be changed by the word of God. God bless you.